0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, I, I, let me just say, welcome home. Um, you know, it's been a long... Uh it's been a long process, but man, we're, we're so excited to be here. By the way, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we're pumped that you're with us. Actually, our very first service here in the building, and so we're excited about what God is going to do today, and not only what God is going to do today, but what God is going to do for a, a lot of years ahead, because how many of y'all know this, this isn't the end goal. This is just the beginning. Yeah. It's just the beginning. I mean, we're just getting started. And and while I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking about today, and I was thinking about monumental moments. Anybody had some monumental moments in their life before? Anybody have some some big ones? Well, my wife and I, we've we've been in a little bit of a debate over. Uh, we have a son. He's seven months old, and, and so we've been debating back and forth, like who wh- whose name is he going to say first? Like who does he love the most? You know, and that's like that every every parental debate. And so this. Past Last week, we had a very, very monumental moment that I thought I would just share with you all so you know who Alexander, my son, loves best. And so check this out. Come on, let's give it up for that boy. So just so we know, my wife was up here a little bit earlier. He, he loves his dad best, okay? We got that. He has no idea who Dada is right now, but he has got Dada down, Pat. And so, uh, and so it's, it's an exciting thing, you know, just like today. It's one of those exciting, monumental moments. And it got me reminiscing uh, about our church. We're a little over nine years old. For those of you that are guests with us, thank you so much for being a part of our services today. Man, we love having you here. Come on, let's give it up for them. My hope for you is that, uh, man, you'll, you'll, you won't just check us out once, but you'll come here. And, and this is what i challenge you with. I'd challenge you, hey, spend the next six months with us and, and watch and see what God does in your life. Because I promise you, hang out with us. You're going to get closer to Jesus. You're going to have a deeper relationship with him. You're going to be more empowered in the purpose that he has for your life. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. And uh, we named our church Coastal Community Church because we wanted to build a community in a place where there is no community, where people move to South Florida they don't know anybody. We want to be a place where you not only know people, but you're known by people. And so I was thinking back to right before we had our very first service uh, nine years ago, and I I read a statement to our team, and I thought I would just read it to you because it's good to reminisce about the past, but it's also good to move forward into the future. And so I just want to read something that that I read before our very first service to our team. And, And I said this, I said, imagine a place. That is brewing with such creativity that it inspires a community to draw closer to God. That removes religious barriers and makes Christ accessible for everyone. It's one of the reasons why we say everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. That accepts you for who you are but challenges you to become all that God has created you to be. That where you want to invite your friends no matter where they are on the spiritual journey. Where children come alive as they encounter God's purpose in a fun and engaging environment where people's hearts break for the things that break the heart of God, that reaches a loss by leading the found, that cultivates culture because it embraces the culture around it, that moves beyond Sunday morning to equipping you to impact your spheres of influence, that encourages you to create space for life-giving relationships where dreams of the future outweigh your memories of the past, where risk is embraced, And the purpose of life is not to just arrive safely at death. That rekindles the imagination of a community through the hope of Jesus Christ. And I I told our team, Imagine Coastal Community Church. And, uh, you know, this is just the beginning of that imagination we're still imagining what God could do. And I thought of, of anything on this very first Sunday that we barely got in here Friday at five o'clock and by the skin of our teeth and, you know, and, and we weren't even sure we were gonna be able to do this. What what would I wanna to say to our church? And for those of you that are guests, this will kind of give you an idea of our heartbeat as a church. You know, I was thinking about what would be my prayer for us moving forward? And, and I thought to myself, man, my prayer is like, Jesus make us make, I want to make you our passion and our priority. As a church, that's what we're about. We're about making Jesus our passion and our priority where he would take the, the first place over every other thing in our life. That he would be the number one, the ultimate in our lives. And so there's this story in the book of Luke. If you have your Bible, if you want to turn to the gospel of Luke, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in your on, on that little card that they gave you. All the scripture will be on there. It'll also be on the screen. You can follow along on our app as well. Uh, if you would like to, and there's this story in in Luke chapter Seven that is unique only to the book of Luke. It's not found in any other the gospels, and, but it gives us some principles. It gives us some things that I think actually, it gives us some action steps that we should take if we're going to make Jesus our passion and our priority moving forward. If that's who we're going to be and what we're going to be about, it comes out of Luke chapter seven. And so the first thing, if you want to take notes and follow along with us, we love to take notes. Listen, uh, if you take notes, I promise you, it'll help you, help you get closer to Jesus because you'll actually pay attention to what's being said. It won't prevent you from going to hell, but it'll help you get closer to heaven, I promise. And so, uh, number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing that that this scripture is going to encourage us to do is, number one, we have to walk with Jesus. We have to walk with Jesus. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11, it says, soon afterwards, It says soon afterwards, and I want to stop right there because anytime I read my Bible and I read things, a lot of times it's really easy to just pass over words and continue on, but sometimes you just got to stop and go, soon after what? So what what are they talking about soon after what is happening? So if you were to go back into Luke chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, what you'll see is is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and and Jesus goes out and he he heals a leper, he heals a paralytic. Uh, Then he goes in Luke chapter 6, and he goes and breaks off some of the greatest teaching that anybody's ever heard in their life. And, and just before this passage, a, a Roman centurion actually comes to him and says, Hey, can you heal this person? And Jesus goes, Okay, I'll come with you. And he goes, Listen, you don't even have to come. If you'll just say the words, my son will be healed. And Jesus says, Man, I've never seen such great faith. And so it says, Soon after all of that has taken place. So right after that, soon after Jesus has done all this, it says, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Now, Nain isn't mentioned very much in the Bible. In fact, this is the only time that the town of Nain is mentioned. It's this obscure village. And and so he went to this place called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I started thinking about this text and I started thinking about the fact that, that Jesus is going along and his disciples are following him, but there's also this large crowd of people that is going along with him. And so I was thinking about that. If Jesus has just done all of these incredible things, what do you think the buzz is, is going on in that crowd? What do you think that the people in that crowd are saying to, to one another? I, I bet you they're going, they're, they're, they're going, man, I, I, I think that there's this major... Sense of anticipation in this crowd. They're like, man, we just saw Jesus do all this stuff. Like, there was a guy, there was a leper, and 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 every time we'd invite him to a party, he'd grab some chips, dip it in the dip, and his finger would fall off because he's a leper, and and so it was really gross and kind of throw the party down. But Jesus comes along and he heals him, and there's no more fingers in the dip, and the party's getting started. And then there's Bob. What about Bob? Bob is a paralytic. They lower him down. Jesus touches him and heals him, and Bob is running around. Everybody's going crazy, and then Jesus. Jesus... Jesus goes out and he's teaching and and facilitating and saying things that nobody has ever heard. And people are blown away by that. And they're going, man, this is crazy. I think that if we just follow this dude, we don't even know if we believe everything he says. But if we'll just keep following him, something amazing and something awesome is going to happen. In fact, like... I don't even know what's up with him. He's weird. He's got a beard. He fasted and ate locusts and honey. That's weird. But like something interesting is going to go down. And so there is this sense of anticipation in this crowd. Here, church, this is what I believe. I believe that there has got to be a sense of anticipation inside of every single one of us. I believe that we should get speeding tickets every Sunday trying to get to church because of what God did last week. We're like, man, I know what God did last week. I can't wait to see what he does this week. The problem is, is that most of us arrive late 10 minutes to church. Not today, because today's a little bit different. You're like, they told me to get here early, so I better get here early. But every other Sunday, it's like we're going to meander in about five minutes before the message is done, right? come on, this honest talk, this church, you can can agree with some things that are true. (laughs) Right? What's funny is we wouldn't arrive 10 minutes late to a movie. We wouldn't arrive 10 minutes late to uh, 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 a New York theater or Broadway play. Sometimes we wonder why we don't see the miraculous in our life. is because we're not anticipating God doing anything miraculous in our life. We're not not waiting with this sense of like, man, I wonder what's going to happen. And I think every single Christ follower should have this sense of anticipation of like, man, God, you might not be doing something in my life right now. But I know at any moment... At any point in time, if I'll just just be waiting, if I'll just be on the edge of my seat, if I'll just be on the edge of the stage, God, you're about to do something miraculous and I don't want to miss it. Now, there's just not this crowd in the story. It says in, in, in verse 12, there, there's another crowd that's coming along. It says in verse 12, as he approached the town gate, it says a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, which she was a widow, and a large crowd in the town was with her. Now, I want you to see this. There's a large crowd that's following Jesus with this sense of anticipation. They're, they're, like, they're like, man, I can't wait to see what Jesus is about to do. And they see another crowd coming towards them and they're like, oh shoot, he's about to break something off. This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, everybody just watch. (laughs) But then there's this other crowd that's coming towards them. And there's this funeral that's going on. It's a funeral procession. While there's anticipation over here, there's a lot of frustration over here in this crowd. God, I wanted you to heal my son. God, I wanted you to take care of this problem. God, I wanted you to do this, but it didn't. And now I'm frustrated. And this crowd over here is, is walking with their heads down. And if, if they would just recognize who was in front of them, if they would just lift their eyes up, they would see that they could move from frustration to anticipation if they just noticed who was right in front of them. And who they're about to meet. And here's what I know and I know that there's some of you here today that are listening right now that have a sense of frustration when it comes to God, when it comes to your life and. Maybe your marriage is failing. Maybe your business didn't go as you thought it was going to go. Maybe that relationship didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. Maybe maybe you didn't uh, achieve what you thought you were going to achieve. Maybe some people have turned their backs on you. And so there is a, a sense of frustration in your life. And if you would just look up and recognize who is coming towards you today, I believe that your attitude and your opinion could change. In fact, I would tell you today, there are some of you that are in the frustration line that actually need to get out of the frustration line and into the... Uh, anticipation live and, 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 and start waiting and start thinking about, man, it's not about what God hasn't done. It's about what God is about to do. And if you would just look up your head out of this frustration line, you would see that Jesus is coming towards you because if Jesus was willing to go to a little town called Nain that nobody ever went to, that nobody even knows where it was, then that means Jesus knows exactly where you are. And Jesus knows that that you're in some things right now. And he is actually coming towards you. He's coming towards the obscure places in your life that you think have been all forgotten about. And he's saying, hey, I want to do something in your life. And church, if we're going to be this church that is passionate uh, uh, about Jesus, man, we've, we've got to be willing to walk with him. Not just on Sunday, but every single day of our life anticipating what God wants to do in our life. And so, man, we, number one, we've got to walk with Jesus. Number two, we've got to listen to Jesus. We've got to listen to Jesus. We've got to be listening to what he says to us and for us in life. and. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I'm pretty upfront here uh, about who I am and what I'm about, and and I tend to be a, a pretty selfish person, particularly when it comes to food. Anybody else selfish when it comes to food? Like, if I order food, that is my food. That is not your food. You cannot have some of my macaroni and cheese. Get your own macaroni and cheese. You cannot have one of my fries. I will buy you some fries if you want some fries. <laughs> Touch my fry and I will smack you in Jesus' name. You know, it's like, I know that's probably a sin issue, but I'm working through that. I'm not perfect up here. That's why we said nobody's perfect. And so, but... uh... It's my sin. It's my problem. God's working on me, okay? I'm not a finished product. And so anyway, uh, so this whole listening to Jesus thing, uh, Shayla and I, uh, uh, quite a while back, we went to, to Cracker Barrel, and, and there's certain things that I love. I love food. If you see my physique, you'll be able to tell that, that it's an it's a issue that I'm working through. And uh, and so I, I love food. I, I particularly love Cracker Barrel because they have biscuits at Cracker Barrel. And, uh, and anybody, any biscuit fans out there? <laughs> like. Who's going to Cracker Barrel after service? You know, it's like... (laughs) It's so like, I love biscuits. I love big biscuits. And I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny, you know, whatever. And so I love biscuits. And so they have the, like the flaky biscuits there. You know, when you pull them apart, there's like layers. And so every time we go to Cracker Barrel, I always order some biscuits. And, and so I'll order my biscuits and I won't eat them right away. But what I'll do is I'll break those biscuits open when they're hot and like all the steams coming out. You guys know like that perfect temperature for a biscuit. And what I'll do is I'll take a huge glob of butter and put it on this side. And then I'll take another huge, glob of butter and put it on this side, take out some honey and just smother it in honey and then put them together. Cause that, that needs the marinade. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that butter and honey needs to, to go deep into that biscuit. Cause I don't want to just eat the biscuit. I want to drink it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want it to slide down my throat. And so I don't eat the biscuit right away because you got to save the best bite for the end, right? You want the best taste. You don't, you don't wait for your vegetables. You eat your vegetables first yeah. so you can end with something good. And, and so, man, I, I, I take my biscuits, I put them together, I set them there, and I go to eating my meal, and I get to the end of my meal, and I go to reach for my biscuit, and it's gone. Oh. <laughs> and there weren't a whole bunch of people at our table. It was just Shayla and I. And so... <laughs> it wasn't like I called the server over hey did you take my biscuit?" No, no I said I said babe did did you eat my biscuit and she goes I ate a biscuit I was like was it buttery she's like oh it's very buttery I was like you ate my biscuit and I legitimately got mad at her I mean, this is the woman that I love till death do us part. But in that moment, it was like, what is going on in our relationship? We need marital counseling. I was like, babe, that's my biscuit. And she looked at me and she said, TJ, you're bigger than this. Get over it. Like, what are you supposed to say at that time? Your mama? No, it's just like, that's my mother-in-law. It's like, that's not going to be a good comeback. <sighs> <laughs> you know what? She's right. I am bigger than that. Sometimes we just need someone to point out the obvious to us. We just need somebody to tell us, what we haven't been listening to, which is exactly what Jesus will do in our life if we'll listen to him. Continuing on in verse 13, it says, "'When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, "'and he said, don't cry.'" I said, don't cry. Now, if you're a Christian, um, uh, you know, one of the things that I found as a pastor is, is Christians say really, really dumb things at funerals. And if you say dumb things at funerals, please stop it because like, it's, it's just not helpful. Like, People will walk up, they're at the casket, and they'll be looking at a dead person. They'll be like, oh, he just looks so natural. Nobody ever was dead and looked natural. I'm just telling you that right now. So please stop saying that. And so, so Jesus, so this woman has just lost her son. She is also a widow, which means she has lost her husband. And so here comes Jesus and he says, don't cry. Which from the outside looking in, seems like an absolutely ridiculous remark. Because if somebody tells you, don't cry at a funeral, you're like, I'm going to make you cry. Like that's just an insensitive thing to say. But Jesus comes up and he says, don't cry. Do you know what Jesus was essentially saying to this woman? Jesus was saying, man, I'm bigger than the problem you're facing. And because I'm bigger than this, so are you. And some of you here today, the reason you can't get into that line walking with jesus and the line that's full of anticipation is because you're so focused on your problem that you can't see the solution that's right in front of you saying hey don't cry i'm bigger than whatever you're facing hey don't cry i'm bigger than your marriage that's crumbling hey don't cry i'm bigger than the debt that you're facing Hey, don't cry. I'm bigger than the doctor's report. Jesus is telling us, don't cry. Because I'm bigger than anything you have ever faced in your life. And the only reason this woman would have thought Jesus' words were ridiculous is if she did not recognize who he was. And see, will think Jesus's words are ridiculous as well if we don't recognize who he is. But the crowd that was following Jesus, when Jesus said, don't cry, man, the sense of anticipation started rising in that crowd. I'm sure that they were thinking, oh my gosh, what's he about to do? And then the crowd with frustration is like, can you believe he just said that? Like get an attitude. It says in verse 14, it says, then he went up and touched the coffin. And I wish I had time to talk about it. And it says, and those carrying it stood still. Now, the reason the people that were carrying it stood still was because Jesus was a teacher or a rabbi in that day. And and rabbis would never go and touch a coffin because as soon as they would go and touch a coffin, that was considered an unclean thing. And so no rabbi would go and touch a coffin because all of a sudden they would become ceremonially unclean. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, there are no dead places in your life that I am unwilling to touch. He said, every dead place that you think is dead and gone, that there's no way, no possibility in, there is nothing in your life that I will not come to. You have not messed up too much. You have not gone too far. You've not ended up someplace that I am not willing to go and make an impact in your life for. And I know that there's some of you out there, you feel like, man, I've done too much, but there is nothing that you've done that Jesus can't overcome. And that Jesus can't resurrect in your life. And Jesus is not scared of who you are. Listen, some of you, you have some questions today. Let me just tell you this. God is not scared of your questions either. In fact, I think God wants you to ask those questions. God wants you to pursue him and discover who he is. Because God isn't just some cosmic being. He's actually a real person that wants to have a relationship with you. He's just waiting on us. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Now, two crowds here. There's a a crowd that's walking with Jesus. And as soon as they, they hear Jesus say, oh, get up, they're like, oh, man. Did he just say to that dude, get up? Are you for real? Did he just tell a dead person to get up? I mean, he heals lepers and paralytics, but dead people, come on. And, like, there's this anticipation. Do you think that boy's going to get up? you think that boy right there going to get up? That's Southern right there for y'all. <laughs> and the frustrated crowd is like, this dude has lost his mind. Insane in the membrane. We're insane. God knows. Like, they're singing that. Love it. 90s rap. It's my calling card. And so... <laughs> So Jesus spoke to the dead person and commanded him to do what was seemingly impossible. And I believe that when we become the people in the church that will listen to the impossible things that Jesus commands us to do, and we are filled with faith to step out and do it, we'll see the impossible happen in our life. Amen. We'll see the miraculous take place. And we, instead of rather than giving Jesus 10,000 reasons why we can't, if we'll just trust what he said, we'll see that he can. So what step of faith is God calling you to take today? What is he trying to call you to? Because Jesus never calls us, and God never calls us to a fair fight. He always calls us to a fight where where we're outmanned and outnumbered so that we don't rely on ourselves, but we rely on him. Because if we can do it on our own, I promise you this, Jesus has not called you to that. He's called you to do things that we're gonna need his strength and his power and his grace and his mercy and his love and his, him to accomplish. And so what is he saying to you? What is he saying to us as a church? And we'll never be the faith-filled people that God has called us to be if we live in doubt. And so I believe as a church, we've got to walk with Jesus We have got to be willing to listen to Jesus. And last of all, number three, we've got to believe Jesus. Now, everybody will say, man, I just, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I I believe in Jesus. And we think that because we're in church, the answer to everything is Jesus. Who died on the cross for your sins? Jesus. Who rose again three days later? Jesus. What's... Harry climbs trees and stores nuts in winter. Jesus, no, that's a squirrel. You know, it's like, <laughs> but we just answer Jesus for everything. And we just go, man, I believe in Jesus. And a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe Jesus. We say, oh, man, I, I believe in God, but you don't believe God. There's a big difference. A lot of people believe uh, in things that don't actually live by those things. And so what Jesus is saying, man, I'm going to, we need to believe in Jesus. And I think that if we'll believe Jesus, we'll become this passionate church that makes him our priority. And just like this boy in this coffin, Jesus says, get up in this moment. and, And everybody's like, yeah, right. But all of a sudden in verse 15, it says the dead man sat up and began to talk. Now, I don't know about you, but I wonder what did he say? You know, I don't, this is how I read my Bible. And so I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what he said. I wonder if his first words when he sat up were like, uh, man, it was dark in there. That's something I would say. Or uh, probably his last words that he said was, hey, everybody, watch this. <laughs> every, every last guy's words. I don't know what he said. But the Bible says, he began to talk, and it says, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And then in verse 16, this is incredible. It says, they were filled with awe. They were filled with awe. The people that were walking with Jesus in anticipation and the people that were walking in frustration, no matter where they were, The Bible says that they were filled with awe, and I'm begging God that our church would be a place where people could walk in and experience, know, and follow Jesus and be filled with awe every single day of their week, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, that we would just be filled with awe in who God is in what he is trying to do in our lives, and that we would be the type of Christ followers that would say, you know what, I've never seen him do anything like this because we've never seen it happen and the people that don't know Christ are like I don't know who he is but I want to see more of that yep. because they were filled with awe and it says and they praise God and a great prophet has appeared among us they said and God has come to help his people and the next verse says and the news about Jesus spread it throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside." In other words, they didn't get together and talk about it for the next five years. They started going out and telling everybody about this incredible God that could take you from a place of frustration to a place of anticipation where everything could change in your life. And so the question is, is do we really believe that Jesus can do the impossible? Do we truly believe what Scripture says today, that that God wants to do the impossible in your life? And what's interesting about Scripture is in Hebrews 13, it says that, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he did it then, he wants to do it now. He's just waiting for some people to move out of this line of frustration into this place of anticipation where God will do the impossible in life. And I'm here to tell you, church, that, that this facility, for those of you that have called Coastal Home, this is, this is an impossible moment for us. We never thought that this would be impossible. But I'm telling you what, this impossibility that has become a reality is just the beginning of what God is about to do. This is just the beginning. The best is still yet to come. In fact, I want to close with this story. Now, my mom is here. And in fact, my mom is sitting right here. Wave, mom, real quick. And everybody, just throw your hand up. So... my mom is like one of the most incredible, incredible cooks in the world. She owned catering businesses and restaurants. And, uh, and so every meal at our home was like a fine dining experience. I mean, it's like, we couldn't just have a salad. It had to have garnishes and, uh, you know, you had to have not paper napkins. You had to have real, like everything. I was like, you, you had tablecloths and all that stuff for every single meal. And, and she would do the most incredible meals. In fact, she was the kind of mom that she never actually sat down while we are eating because she was so busy kind of serving everybody, making sure everything was good, everything was okay. And, and we'd go through and we'd eat this incredible meal. You'd be like stuffed as much as you could be stuffed. And you'd be like, I can't eat anymore. And, and because she was still up, she would start clearing our plates because I don't know why she could just never seem to sit down. She still can't. She's, she's 75 years old and she, I can't keep up with her still. And so... Uh, She'd just go, 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 go. And, and I remember as a kid, she would, she would come around and there would be days that we would be eating where, where she would say something that would be like a game changer for that meal. As she was coming around and picking up our plates and picking up those things, she, she would just look down and she was grabbing our plate and she would say, Hey, TJ, keep your fork. And when my mom would say, hey, TJ, keep your fork, what that meant in our house is that mom, back in the kitchen, had something sweeter, had something greater, had something more tasty than anything she had brought out. And and I believe that here today that God is saying to us, church, keep your fork. Keep your fork because I've got blessing. I've got miracles. I've got provision. I've got healings. I've got the impossible waiting right back here. And if you'll just keep your fork, if you'll just hold on, the best, the best, the best is yet to come. I believe that with all of my heart. That God is just starting to do what he wants to do. And I believe that we should praise God for the past. We celebrate the past. But we don't live in it because the future that he has is so much sweeter, so much more palatable, so much more life-changing than anything that we could experience. And I believe that every single one of us should be walking around with a sense of anticipation going, you know what, he might not have done everything yet, but I can't wait to see what he's about to do in my life. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never even taken the first step of having a relationship with this God that that loved you so much that he would send his son Jesus to this earth to walk and talk and be in relationship with us and would take all of our sins and all of our screw-ups and all of our mess-ups. He would take all of that on the cross so that we could be forgiven so that we could be free so that we could have a hope in a future And maybe you don't need to stay in frustration today, but maybe today is the day that you decide to cross the line of faith and start living with some anticipation of this God who loves you so much that he would do all that so that you could have a life and have it more abundantly so that you could live with an attitude that the best is yet to come because you have a God who's still working and living and active today in your life with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're out there today and today's the day that you need to say, you know what? I need to make a decision for Christ. I need to cross that line. I've been frustrated for far too long trying to do this life on my own and today I need to cross the line of faith anticipating this future that God has with me.